Today, we are answering a question that leaves a lot of people confused, and that is, how do I store my skincare? This small question seemingly sends a lot of us spiraling into the depths of Google, Googling things like, will my products tell me how to store them? Do I need to invest in a mini beauty fridge? Will a beauty fridge make my products last longer? Will my products go bad if I leave them at room temperature? If you have entered any of these things into your Google search engine at any time in your skincare journey, then stay tuned because today I'm going to run through all of these and more. Welcome back to another week of the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I am, of course, your host, Lauren Lee. I am the founder of Australia's first online K-beauty platform, Style Story, and K-beauty brand, Jellico. This show is the place to be if you want to go behind the scenes and see how the K-beauty sausage is made. If you're looking for some insider tips and tricks, the latest news and what people are actually talking about and worrying about in the industry, then stick around because that is exactly what we're going to be talking about on this show in general. And obviously today we're going to take a deep dive into storing your skincare products to ensure both that you get the best results from them and also that you prolong their shelf life. Uh, This is just a topic that I see so often people getting really, really confused about uh, and lots of just, I think, uh, posts and things like that on Instagram that make make this whole thing a lot more complicated than it needs to be. So let's have a little look at that today. But first of all, in this week's news headlines... So I was really interested to see that the issue of fake cosmetics in Canada has actually hit the headlines in Korea. So it looks like there is quite a big problem with fake cosmetics circulating in the Canadian market at the moment. And there are quite a few YouTubers, Canadian YouTubers that have done exposés about how they have found out about these fake products. And this particular article interviewed uh, a lot of people, including a few lawyers. And what they were saying is essentially that in Canada, particularly in the e-commerce space, there seem to be quite a few counterfeit products doing the rounds in Canada. In the past, these kind of products were apparently mainly sold in the alleys in Toronto and Montreal. But what they found is that more recently, because of how many people are selling online, shopping online and all of these things, that the number of fraudulent online sellers seems to be growing every year. Uh, So I thought that was, obviously this is not a Canadian problem alone. So I don't want any of my Canadian friends to think that I'm unfairly picking on you or that the Korean news headlines are, you know, I guess picking you guys out as like the only country on earth where this is happening. Obviously, that is not the case, unfortunately. But what is happening in particular in the Canadian market is that whereas back in the day, a lot of the counterfeit products were much easier to spot, um, they're saying that the counterfeits are becoming a lot more sophisticated and that makes them difficult to distinguish easily. Uh, And we've actually talked about this on uh, a 
a past episode of the Korean beauty show and that was all about how to spot a fake K-beauty product. So this article in particular was not just about, it was not about K-beauty products it was actually about uh, western beauty products. Some of the brands mentioned in the article included Lime Crime and uh, Kylie and I know the Kylie lip kits in particular were really uh, popular to fake for a while. So they were the kinds of uh, brands and products that were being talked about but they they were just pointing out that you know it is becoming bigger and bigger problem the more products are sold in online marketplaces so if you haven't already listened to the episode that we did on how to tell if your k-beauty products are real or not go back and have a listen to that because i did actually run through a lot of the ways that you can tell uh and for k-beauty products in particular you know things like price can be a really really big one if the price is just too good to be true uh, obvious spelling mistakes i'm pretty sure someone posted um online the other day about a mamond product but mamond was spelled incorrectly uh, and that was actually on one of the really really big marketplaces that you wouldn't think would be circulating fakes uh, so i think in general the bigger the marketplace if they've got you know so many thousands of different brands and products that can make it a lot easier for fakes to infiltrate. Uh, and also, obviously, if you're not quite sure who the seller is or where they're coming from, I think that's always a bit of a red flag. So, you know, this is not to scare anyone, um, you know, unnecessarily, but fakes do do the rounds. So that made the news headlines. So I thought we might as well chat about that. Uh, so Canadian friends, you know, let me know. Is, the, is this a, pro- a problem that you're talking about in your circle? Have you heard this issue in the news? before let me know i'm curious to know whether this is something that canadians are actually talking about as well now the second headline that i thought at first glance i was like oh this is great it was a headline about how a lot of beauty companies at the moment are expanding the benefits of returning empty bottles so obviously this is an ongoing debate in the beauty industry in general but The beauty industry can generate a lot of waste uh, and, you know, plastic waste, uh, all of these other different things. And brands, it is a a really big issue at the moment as to how we tackle this. What's the best way? You know, is glass packaging better than plastic packaging? But then glass packaging weighs more. So if you're sending glass halfway across the world, the carbon emissions are higher for glass. So it is a really, really big problem. And there are a lot of brands that are trying a lot of different things to try and I guess tackle this, target this and get their waste under control. So some of the brands were doing things like offering memberships and points to beauty users that return their empty bottles. So for example, one of the brands I saw, if members collected enough stickers, then they could receive like an eco bag or a hand wash set as a gift. And then another brand was handing out free, as in, you know, gratis 30 mil versions of two of their best sellers if users returned more than one empty bottle. Now, on the one hand, it's great that they're encouraging people to return empty bottles. But as I was thinking about it, is giving people two more products that they potentially haven't even asked for or don't want is that the best way to be tackling our plastic consumption? I'm not quite sure. And the same with giving people rewards like, you know, bags and hand wash sets and stuff like that. It's still, you know, I guess if the problem is overconsumption, then schemes like that 
to my mind, are still just encouraging people to receive more, consume more. So I'm a little bit on the fence about whether I think that giving people more products in in response for them handing over empty bottles is a good idea or not. That to me sounds a little counterproductive. Other brands were saying that they require their customers to go to a set place in Seoul to drop off their empties uh, or otherwise that they can pay a courier service to you know, get the empties back to them and then they will recycle them from there. But again, like if you're paying then a courier service to do that, that's more carbon emissions. So, you know, this is, I guess what I was thinking as I was reading this article is just that it's such a complicated issue. You know, there are so many different moving parts to all of this. And do you solve one problem only to create another? Uh, I know another um, option that a lot of companies are opting for at the moment is to use the services of a program like TerraCycle that actually do the recycling on their behalf. So there's lots of different ways it seems that people are trying to encourage their consumers to recycle, to return the empties to them and things like that. And I think all of those are really, really great. Um, I would love to know if any of you guys have looked into this area because I just think that there is so much to think about. There's so much to talk about. Um, I think it's great to see brands coming up with some different ideas to encourage people to, you know, do the right thing. I mean, so already we recycle quite a lot here. Like our recycling system is quite robust. So, you know, I'm, I'm just interested, I guess, in general to see what the different brands are doing and how they're trying to tackle it. Um, I know in a lot of countries that the recycling process is a little bit of a nightmare. I know in the States, every state or uh, jurisdiction seems to have a slightly different way of doing things, which can make it really, really confusing. What may be recycled in one area might not be recycled in another area. So I think this is obviously a really big problem for everyone all over the world to tackle. Um, And I think the discussion just should be about like the best way to do this. So that was an interesting article to see that a lot of the k-beauty brands are and some of the some of the brands in the article admittedly weren't um, korean but they were businesses beauty businesses that are doing business here in korea and how they're planning to tackle it so that was an interesting piece of news that i came across this week now on to the nuts and bolts of today's episode which is all about storing your skincare products um, I can't tell you how many DMs I get uh, about people from people that are worried about exactly how they should store what. You know, they've been told, oh, I need to store this, that, and the other in the fridge. Uh, I need to, you know, buy this or do that. So it's a very, very confusing uh, topic. And as I just mentioned, it's actually this FAQ in general has spawned an entirely new beauty product within itself, which is the beauty fridge. Like beauty fridges, I'm pretty sure exist apart from being really, really cute, but also because so many people were out there Googling, how do I store my products? And then this whole other product has popped up. So do I need a beauty fridge? Guys, this is my personal opinion. I know some people disagree with me, but I think this is largely just an incredibly well-executed marketing gimmick. I think they are totally aesthetic. They make for really, really cute photos. 
I think they are terrible for the environment. Again, we were just talking about recycling. I just think introducing a whole nother piece of electronics into the mix that then has a really complicated recycling process is not the way we want to be going. Um, You know, irrespective of how well they work or if they're noisy or not, like I've seen a whole range of, you know, to and against arguments out there about why they're great or why they're not great. I think it comes down to this. When a new product, a skincare product, is released, it goes through stability testing, and that is to ensure that the ingredients are stable and that they won't decompose at room temperature. Now, we did go into this uh, a bit about how this process works on episode 61 and also 62, which was the two-part special going into how Korean beauty products are actually made. So just a bit of a recap on that. Stability testing is a really rigorous process and in order to pass, products need to show that they're not going to lose their efficacy once they are opened and exposed to things like light and air. So at a minimum, products need to be able to withstand extreme heat, including at oven temperatures. So that is going to far exceed your apartment on a hot summer's day, even if you do live in parts of Queensland in Australia. It will not get that hot. And that, I guess, brings me to a base rule that I tend to have. Unless the product was in the fridge when it was sold to you, uh, and, you know, sometimes probiotics and things like that and uh, are sold that way at a pharmacy, if they were sold to you like that, then keep them like that. But other than that, I do not think that there is a need to store a product in a fridge later and that I will come to a couple of caveats now. So as a general golden rule, no, if your products were not sold to you in a fridge, don't put them in the fridge. However, there are a couple of exceptions to that. The first big one is that that's not necessarily the case for these organic and natural formulas. And that is because sometimes these kind of products skip out on common safety preservatives. So products that are made without preservatives are less stable. And that means that they may need to be stored in the fridge. Uh, So in general, if a product is completely organic or in inverted commas, totally natural, those kind of products don't have great shelf lives anyway. And you're unlikely to be purchasing them at an ordinary store, I would say, just because very few distributors want to work with a product that only has a three or six month shelf life. It's just not practical at all. So likely you will already know if you've bought a product like this, they'll normally need to be used within a matter of months or they become unstable. So I would say if you have bought a product like this, you probably bought it from someone at a market or stall or something like that, in which case ask the person who made the product how should I store this? Do I need to put it in the fridge after I've opened it? Um, you know, they probably should have a label on there somewhere that tells you that if that is the case. But that is the first big caveat. And that is so organic and natural formulas. And I'm not talking about products that say, oh, we've used organic oil or something in there. No, I'm talking about products that are made without preservatives, um, at, you know, that are all organic or all natural. That is just not, I guess, a great way of making products that have good stability and a long shelf life. So in that case, you may need to store them in the fridge. 
The second big one, and this is the category that I think gets a lot of people really confused, is your vitamin C serums. So they can require a more stable temperature than what is offered by our bathrooms, but that's not the case for all vitamin C serums, but particularly ones that contain L-ascorbic acid, which is pure vitamin C, and ones usually that contain higher concentrations. So if it's got, you know, 0.0 something percent, you probably won't notice a difference. Uh, But if it has, you know, 2%, 3%, 5%, then it will be prone to oxidization and changing color. So I have tried a whole lot of different vitamin C products in my lifetime, and I have tried uh, alternating between storing products in the fridge, storing them out of the fridge and seeing what happens. And let me tell you, if you do have a product that does contain pure vitamin C at a decent percentage and you store it outside of the fridge, it does go, uh, it oxidizes a lot quicker. I've tried this out. It's very pronounced. Uh, So, you know, I would say if you have invested, particularly in a more expensive one, do pop it in the fridge. But when I say a fridge, I think like you're like assuming most people here have a fridge in their kitchen, you can just pop it in the the fridge in your kitchen. If you don't have a fridge or if you don't have room in your fridge, like maybe you're a uni student living in a dorm accommodation and someone might steal the fridge, like what's in the fridge. If you don't, then the best spot that will uh, substitute is a really dark cupboard or a spot under the bed. So you're going to want to make sure that you screw the lid on really tightly after you've used it because the two main things that we're worried about with vitamin C is obviously uh, heat and then light. So a really dark cupboard and screw it on really, really tightly to minimize the air getting into it. But I have been in that situation before where it's like anything in the fridge is free game so you can't put anything in there if you do fall into that category uh, for whatever reason then just pop it underneath your bed or somewhere where it's not going to be exposed to heat so that would be what I would say now for your sheet masks these don't need to be put in the fridge either however if you do like the feeling of a really cold sheet mask in summer then go for it there's no problem with popping them in the fridge. Uh, the only thing that I would say is to keep them in there once you've put them in there. Fluctuating temperatures in general can lead to instability and also potentially damage the integrity of the product. So if you've made the call, hey, I want a cold sheet mask, I'm going to put it in the fridge, just keep it in there until you're ready to use it. It wouldn't be taking them in and out and you know changing it up too much. Um, just keep them where they are. So I think the takeaway, the key takeaway from all of this is first, you do not need a beauty fridge to store your skincare, no matter how cute it may be. I just don't think they're necessary. I think the vast majority of properly formulated skincare products uh, that have been tested are going to be fine to be stored at room temperature. And I mean, as someone that manufactures and creates beauty products, I can tell you that is literally the hold up when we are making new products is this testing process this is the thing that takes probably the longest is to make sure that all of these things are in order um you know there are just so many moving parts to it so i know for 
uh, our Jellico products, they are all totally fine to be stored at room temperature. You do not need to put them in the fridge. Some people I know like to put the uh, Cherry Blossom sleeping mask in the fridge because they like that really extra cold feeling on their face, but that's not necessary because we've tested them and we've tested them at high temperatures, way higher than would be in a normal room that you would be comfortable to sit in. You know, I think that's the other thing. People can sometimes get a little bit car carried away, but if you can comfortably sit in the room and not like, you know, fall into a puddle of sweat, then your beauty products in general are going to be fine as well. If for whatever reason, maybe you've already got a beauty fridge or you just, you're like, nope, it's so cute. I've made up my mind. I'm going to get one. Then the experts say to set the temperature to those for 14 to 18 degrees Celsius. So I think that's a personal choice, honestly, if you're, if you want to go down that route, I'm not going to judge you, but personally, I just find them a little bit difficult to reconcile with the negative environmental impact um, that they are going to have to try and get rid of them when they eventually break. I think, you know, if you've only spent 150 bucks on a fridge, we're not really going to hire someone to come and fix it when it breaks down. So then it inevitably will just go into the trash on like, I assume your normal fridge, which if anything happened to that, you'd probably just pay to get someone to come out and take a look at the mechanics of it and make sure it's all sort of ticking over. So I think that's my sort of beef in general with beauty fridges but obviously you guys do you if you if you really love them then obviously you know go forth um so that is in a nutshell how to store your skincare products I think I've covered everything that I pretty much wanted to cover so yeah th those are the big ones guys vitamin c serums are the thing that I know for a fact uh, I've tried a lot of different um a lot of different brands including some of the the western ones as well uh, and just as a test earlier this year i think i had one of the drunk elephant vitamin c serums out just as it was coming from winter into spring and i thought oh you know what we'll just see how it goes and even though that has quite clever packaging even that i noticed the sh the the shelf life of that was shortened by the fact that i um, didn't have it in the fridge, but I mean, I knew that going into it. So sometimes I sort of make a calculated, <laughs> a calculated decision about whether I'm going to store it in a fridge or not. Um, in Korea, we have heating in the floor during winter. So that can sometimes mess with products. So I will put the vitamin C in the fridge if, if it's going to get too hot in the room. But yeah, that is really the big one to, to think about, I think. Um, and, you know, if you're using these vitamin C products that have fruit extracts, which there are a lot of those on the market, you know, they just don't have the same problems as the pure L-ascorbic acid. So it's just not something you really need to worry about. I think if you've bought a product and you've spent a lot of money on a formula that has um, a pure vitamin C in it, you'll probably already know. And just for your sanity so that you don't ruin a product that you've spent a fortune on, I would just pop it in the fridge. But apart from that, you know, it's it's all good. You can choose whether you want to refrigerate them and have that cooling effect. Some people love that. Some people don't like that. So that's just a personal choice. I hope that gives you a little bit more confidence 
when you are thinking about all of these things because I know this one really, really stresses people out. Uh, Hope that was useful. If you did find today's episode useful, I would really, really appreciate a quick rating and a review. And other than that, I will see you at the same time next week. Every Tuesday, we are dropping episodes. So until then, I will see you on Style Story. Bye.